Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is August the 19th, 2022. Boy, oh boy, uh, summer almost in the rearview mirror. School starting in some parts of the country, but I hope wherever you are, you're staying cool, that you're well, and that you're being you're staying safe. Uh, we are living in historic times, un- unprecedented and uncharted times, uh, in my humble opinion. But I'm so happy that you join me every night, or every week, rather, on Friday nights, so that we could sort through the lunacy that is confronting America and Americans, and there's no shortage of lunacy. The latest bit of lunacy prompted my latest article, and it's about Mayor Adams. Eric Adams, here in New York City, former New York City police captain, he was a member, I believe, of the city council, and he's been in politics for quite some time. And he's a Democrat. And I think that New Yorkers voted for Eric Adams because they said the guy was a cop. He was a captain. He was an administrator. Who better than a former cop? Well, not necessarily. Uh, You know, I have to tell you, not everybody who carries a badge um, has their head screwed on the same way as others who carry that badge that goes with being an an enforcer of our laws. Now, Eric Adams is making all the appropriate noises about how we have uh, prosecutors who think they're defense attorneys and so forth turning people loose, which, by the way, uh, I wrote an article a while back where I paralleled catch and release that we saw with immigration with what is now catch and release for the criminal justice system in wacky, radical left cities and states. Catch and release. It's only a game. You broke the law. We're going to arrest you, and then we're going to turn you loose. What's the message? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. We're going to keep on releasing violent felons until they finally kill and rape and maim and destroy people's lives. The whole idea to the criminal justice system, justice, and it's funny, the left loves the word justice, right? We have to have social justice and environmental What does justice mean? The idea of justice, and I took a course in criminology way back when I was in college. I really took the scenic tour. I was originally an engineering student. Uh, sometimes life interferes and our dreams uh, go in a different direction. There's a Yiddish expression that when you translate it, it says that man uh, makes plans and God laughs. You know, people who think they're in control, not always. All sorts of things happen. Um, You know, to be blessed, I had lost my parents when I was in college within a year of each other. My ability to study went out the window. So my ability to become an engineer went out the window. But I can tell you that two of my boys are engineers. I have four great kids, and two of them are mechanical engineers. That was my dream. I wanted to design airplanes and spacecraft. So... I wound up with a degree in communications, arts, and sciences, but along the way, I took a real smorgasbord of of, of classes, 
And looking back at it, it was probably a good thing because it gave me a very diverse background so that I could help to decipher so much of the crazy stuff that we're witnessing up close and in person. And I took a class in criminal justice, or criminology perhaps, I think it was criminal justice, and the instructor made the point that the reason we have a criminal justice system is to prevent people from taking the law in their own hands. So if some guy's sister is raped and beaten, he doesn't go out there looking for the rapist to beat him over the head or, or, or take it out on the guy's family because we're supposed to trust that the system will provide justice, will arrest the perpetrator, put him on trial, uh, and, and protect his right, the, the notion of presumption of innocence, which is really important. Lots of people have been convicted for crimes they didn't commit. By the way, I'm a big fan of the Innocence Project, Barry Sheck, and Barry Sheck and I crossed swords in a courtroom when I arrested a suspected IRA terrorist. He was the uh, defense attorney, and after the trial, he told me that I was the worst nightmare he ever confronted in a courtroom. And coming from a defense attorney, that to me was a high compliment. We got along fine. We did our job, and that's, that's the way it works. <clears throat> but there are miscarriages of justice. DNA evidence is very important. We've got to get it right. There is no justice when we put innocent people in jail or when we release guilty people who go out and hurt more people. The system is supposed to be as effective and honest and objective as possible. That's what we should be striving for so that people don't say, well, this guy beat up and raped my sister. I'm going to get a hold of him, and I'll give him what for. No, the system is supposed to do that, but increasingly it's not. It's becoming the Wild West. People can commit all sorts of crimes, and then they get released, and they go back out on the street, and then they kill. Well, they'll knock somebody unconscious for no reason. We just had a, a non-provoked attack of a third-level sex offender who sucker-punched some guy standing on a street corner. They weren't even facing each other. He stood behind him, punched him in the side of the head with such force that he broke bones in his head. The guy collapsed to the sidewalk. He's in a coma. Why is he in a coma? Because the perpetrator was released he's on parole he's committed numerous crimes there he is on parole and he's nuts he's sociopathic call it whatever you want but the fact remains that an innocent victim is lying in a hospital bed i hope he recovers i hope he recovers well so that he's able to continue his life the way he should had this piece of garbage not taken the violent action against him the idea is to protect the weakest members of society that's real justice but we've got this skewed notion of justice coming from the lunatics that want to dissolve society. I'm convinced that that's what this is really about. Saying, oh, you can't put people in jail. It's not fair to the criminal. Not fair to the criminal. We put people in jail for three reasons. Number one, to punish people that violate. There's got to be consequences. Number two, to deter others who might be thinking of committing similar violations of law. And number three, <clears throat> to get the violent thugs off the street to protect innocent lives. What in the world is wrong with any one of those three reasons for putting people behind bars? And you have these lunatics running around saying, oh, we need to eliminate the jails. If you eliminate the jails, how do you protect innocent people in your society? How do you enforce the laws? And what's so remarkable about the laws is you have politicians who should be role models. If you're a leader... You are supposed to set the standard. The best bosses I had were people who held themselves to a higher standard than they held the agents under their command. 
there was one boss, Frank Johnson, who used to come to work every day by train from upstate New York. He used to go into the World Trade Center. This is back in the 70s, 80s. He'd be at his desk at 8.15, and he would sign on at 8.30 consistently. So if he said to somebody, why were you late, what were you going to say to the guy? This guy was a role model. He would take a 20-minute lunch break, eat the sandwich at his desk, didn't go out for a three-hour lunch. He set the standard. That's what real leaders do. You should be able to look to a leader and say, this guy is the role model. This guy is the role model. What role models do we have in sanctuary cities? The laws are clear. You're supposed to enforce the laws. You took an oath to uphold the Constitution and uphold the laws of, of your jurisdiction. And then they say, well, I don't like the immigration laws, so we're going to ignore them. And, and we're going to shield illegal aliens from detection by evil immigration agents, because obviously the agents are evil, not the bad guys. And, and I wrote an article, and, and if you look at it on, on the uh, Blog Talk Radio website, it's politicians must face consequences for the crimes they enable. And we've seen instances where police officers who failed to act to protect children during the school shooting were arrested and prosecuted for felonies for failure to take the appropriate action. But yet when you have administrators in law enforcement or mayors or governors or whatever position they hold saying we're going to ignore detainers and criminal aliens are cut loose out onto the streets where they kill more people. And I cite some examples in my article. I hope you go back and, and reread that article. It was published uh, a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2019, but it's worth reading. There's no consequences for the administrators and law enforcement, the captains and the chiefs of police and the sheriffs, if they say, well, we're not going to follow the law, we're not going to honor those detainers, we don't care about immigration, and there are serious consequences. People die. Nothing happens to them. Get behind the wheel of your car, drive recklessly. You don't even need to be drunk. You know, speed at, you know, 60 miles an hour through a school zone, mow down some children. You're going to jail, and you should. But when these administrators in law enforcement and the politicians turn around and say, oh, we're going to ignore the fact that this guy has habitually been arrested for drunk driving, reckless driving, he's injured people, but we don't want to help immigration remove him, deport him. So they put him back out on the street, and lo and behold, two days later, or a week later, or a month later, he mows down a bunch of children, kills and cripples a whole bunch of kids, and nothing happens to the administrator who actually is an accomplice to what took place. We've seen it with MS-13. Detainers were lodged, the criminal alien was released, and then he goes out and kills. And I, I cite a specific example of a 14-year-old girl being killed by a couple of MS-13 thugs who should have been kept in jail because the detainers had been lodged, but the detainers were ignored. And nothing ever happens to the politicians. In any other profession, malpractice kicks in. You can be personally sued. You can face criminal charges. If the doctor screws up in the operating room, um, they could lose their license. They could be sued. And if it's really egregious, they could be criminally prosecuted and lose their license to practice medicine, as it should be. If an airline pilot acts inappropriately, the same things can happen. You can't name a profession or a job <clears throat> where if the person acts inappropriately to a certain threshold, not an honest mistake, not you didn't have access to all the information. 
there's an investigation and it showed that you, you can show that there was malfeasance, then there's consequences. Administrative, civil, criminal, you pay a price. What price do the politicians pay for cutting criminal aliens loose to go out there and kill, rape, maim, and commit more violent crimes? No consequences. No consequences. How is that? Sorry about that. Uh, it seems that every time I say certain things, we have a problem with the connection. It just makes you wonder, doesn't it? It makes you wonder. Uh, and just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean you're not being followed. So perhaps someone's not happy with what I'm saying to you. So be it. That's what the First Amendment is all about. So the, the notion that no one is above the law, and you have Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas and Kamala Harris, blatantly, flamingly violating our immigration laws, our borders, and everything else. And what consequences are they facing? None. None. How is it that there was just a a major investigation of a transnational gang? And if you look at the DOJ press release, every agency under the sun was involved, from the FBI to DEA to ATF, local sheriffs, state police. Guess who's missing in action? Department of Homeland Security. Immigration, nowhere to be found. Why? Because apparently, apparently, this administration believes that even if you're a criminal, even if you kill, even if you sell drugs, we're going to protect you. The administration just signed into law the so-called Deficit Reduction Act, call it whatever you want. I have some other choice terms, but I'll I'll, I'll keep the curse word to a minimum. 87,000 IRS agents to go after what? Go after fraud, people who make mistakes on their tax returns. We're going to get your money. Meanwhile, Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, said that if people lie on applications for U.S. citizenship, which, by the way, is a felony, that if it involves terrorists, you could be looking at decades in jail. This is a serious crime. We're going to take no action because if you're an American, we're going to protect unless you, you don't tell us the truth about your taxes, of course. Now, I'll give you a quick inside story that's quite interesting to me. I was invited, and I've done speaking engagements all over the country about a decade ago, perhaps a little bit more than that. I was invited to Chapman Law School. Um, They had an event. They wanted me to be part of a panel discussion on immigration. One of the other participants at this couple-of-day event was Michael Chertoff, the former Secretary of Homeland Security. Asa Hutchins was also with us, governor of, I believe, Arkansas. On the way back from the Nixon Library, where we had an amazing dinner, and Chertoff told me that this was the closest he'd ever been to having dinner at the White House, and he had had dinner at the White House numerous times, this was as close as it gets. It was a very interesting experience. So they, they provided us with this beautiful white stretch limo to take us from the venue, the Nixon Library, to the hotel. So we wound up spending 45 or 50 minutes in the back of this car, and we had an interesting conversation. It was probably the longest 45 minutes of Michael Chertoff's life. And we got into a discussion about immigration and fraud and how the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, identified immigration fraud, people lying on applications, citizenship, green cards, political asylum, the number one method of entry and embedding for terrorists. And he said, well... We investigated, and he gave me some number, thousands of cases, closed, and so on and so forth. I said, but you don't have enough agents. He said, well, where are we going to get the money to hire more agents? I said, you only have 6,000 immigration agents, and most of the time, because of the way DHS was put together, they're not doing immigration. 
They're doing money laundering. They're doing intellectual property theft. They're doing narcotics. They're doing all kinds of investigations that have nothing to do with immigration. And, in fact, I've spoken about it here and I've written about it. The way that George W. Bush put DHS together violated the Homeland Security Act. It was never supposed to be done this way. They weren't supposed to divide Customs and Border Protection from Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It was supposed to be one agency under one roof that coordinated its activities with no distractions, no, no customs, no money laundering, and so forth. I said, so when you come down to it, you've got about 2,000 immigration agents for the whole country, and we have, what, 2 million in, in the armed forces, and PSA had 50,000 people. They went through all these numbers. He said, but where are you going to get the money to hire these people, Mr. Cutler? We do the best we can. And you see, that's been the big lie, to never hire immigration agents, ICE agents. That's why they were spun off the way they were. This was to make sure there's no interior enforcement. The real issue, the real solution to the immigration crisis is to put in place, if hopefully we have an honest administration next time around, to focus on interior enforcement. We can't keep putting everything on the border because, first of all, not all illegal aliens come across the Mexican border. We've got a Canadian border. We've got coastline. We have international airports. If the Mexican border had been sealed off airtight and they used the deflector shields from the Starship Enterprise to seal the Mexican border, 9-11 would have happened exactly the way 9-11 happened because none of those hijackers came across the Mexican border. Of course, the, the liars, crooks, and, and con men on the other side would say, well, then we shouldn't be enforcing the Mexican border. No, that's not the case. I, I wrote a piece, and I called it Border Security and the Immigration Colander. Every vulnerability needs to be addressed. You don't just put a burglar alarm on one window of your house or a lock on one window. You lock all the windows, you put burglar alarms on all the windows and the doors, and you make sure you make them as secure as possible. You have to look at each method of entry as a vulnerability that needs to be addressed, not just the Mexican border. And, and in fact, with all the talk about the Mexican border, even on Fox News, crisis on the Mexican border, right? What's happening on the Canadian border? I don't know. Have you seen any reports lately about the Canadian border? So let me read to you two press releases from the Justice Department. This one is dated July 29, 2022, just two weeks ago. Quebec man pleads guilty to conspiracy to import and distribute fentanyl. Quebec man. The Quebec man uh, was distributing Chinese fentanyl into the United States across guess which border. And then there's a whole list of defendants that helped him to move fentanyl from Canada into the United States. Not the Mexican border. So let's move right along. Next press release. Uh, bear with me one moment. Okay. Here's a real doozy for you. Also, July 29th, two weeks ago, leading ISIS media figure and foreign fighter sentenced to life imprisonment. Mohammed Halifa executed two Syrian soldiers on behalf of ISIS and served as the English-speaking narrator on an exceptionally violent ISIS propaganda video or videos. So let me read the first sentence or the first paragraph. A Saudi-born Canadian citizen, Canadian citizen, was sentenced today to life imprisonment for conspiring to provide material support to the Islamic State of Iraq and El-Sham ISIS, a designated foreign terrorist organization resulting in death. Canadian border. What we're hearing about is the Mexican border. We have aliens coming in through ports of entry and disappearing into the night. 
and the media calls them overstays. And I've made the point, I don't care if they stay longer than they're supposed to. That doesn't do any harm. They're here longer, God bless them, okay? I mean, there is a time limit when you admit people, and they should follow it, but there's really not that much in the way of consequences unless they're overstaying their visa because they're committing crimes, robbing banks, raping little girls, um, selling narcotics, running guns, who knows? Or they take a job that they're not supposed to take. They're violating the terms of their admission. It's a contract. We will let you into the United States, and in return, you won't work. You will come as a tourist. You can visit with your family. You can go visiting wherever you want. You can go to Disney World. I wouldn't go there if they paid me after the way they fired their people and all the other woke nonsense they're pursuing. But, you know, to each his own, that's America, freedom of choice, except for the radicals who don't believe you deserve freedom of choice. They want to call all the shots, right? But nevertheless, if someone comes here to take a job and they are only on a tourist visa, in the old days when I started as an agent, we would arrest people. You'd go into a factory. You'd go into a gas station. Some guy is working. Hi, I got a complaint that there's illegal aliens working here. Can you show me your passport? Because they're supposed to carry proof of alien registration at all times. Then you'd look at the passport, and they had a visa, and it was a tourist visa. One of the funnier episodes, we were at a gas station. We had gotten the complaint that there was an illegal alien from Greece working in the gas station. And not only was he, um, you know, from Greece, but it turned out he was covered in Greece. Uh, there's a guy under a car on a crawler. You guys, gals who work on your own cars, you know, it's a board with little wheels on it so you could slide under the car. And this guy in work clothes, you know, he's wearing that, that blue jumpsuit with the work boots under the car. And I hear the ratchet wrench going. And I, I kind of tapped him on the boot. He rolled out on that crawler. And he said, can I help you? Now, his name I don't know what his name was, but let's say it was Demetrius. He was a citizen of Greece. The jumpsuit had his name, Demetrius, right on it. Boom. And he said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I need to talk to you. He said, look, if you need me to work on your car, I'm busy right now. Can you come back in an hour? I said, no, 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 no. I don't need you to, I don't need you to work on my car. Uh, I'm immigration. And immediately he changes the story. He goes, well, you, you do know I don't work here. Then he's covered head to foot in Greece, grease under his fingernails, and he had just told me that, if I came back in an hour, he would change the oil on my car. And I looked at his passport. He came in as a tourist. The solution, we put him in handcuffs, drove him into the office, put him in detention overnight. The following morning, he saw an immigration judge. And by Friday, he was winging his way back to Athens on, I think it was American Airlines in those days. He wasn't supposed to be working here. There's consequences for violating the terms of your visa. You go on the highway, and the speed limit is 60, and you decide you want to go 90. Fine, there's consequences for that, right? No more. Come to America, do whatever you want, make a mockery of the law. And, you know, as I said when I testified before Congress shortly after 9-11, you get one opportunity to make a first impression. The Biden administration and sanctuary cities have now provided the world with a clear first impression of America. America is the land of open season on for crime. Do whatever you want. You can sell drugs. You can beat people up. You can rape little girls. And we will put you back out on the street so you can entertain yourself while you're waiting for a trial and God only knows when that's going to be and what's going to happen then. 
Why wouldn't you take people who pose a threat to innocent people off the street to protect the innocent? Because we don't care about the innocent. We care about campaign contributions. We care about what the Chamber of Commerce wants. And the immigration system, boys and girls, has turned into a delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And it's not just the illegals. High-tech visas that we should never be giving to foreign nationals. Americans should be taking those jobs. Okay? We provide an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. We've even educated aliens from countries that are our adversary, countries like China and, and Iran and elsewhere. And it's interesting because Diane Feinstein, back in 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the bombing of the World Trade Center, said, you know, we shouldn't be giving high-tech training to aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Of course, that was before so many of these individuals from those countries spread out across Europe. They can now enter the United States under the visa waiver program, and their kids certainly can. Okay? But the idea is this is a delivery system. And by the way, what does it also deliver? An unlimited supply of clients for immigration law firms. And what else does it deliver? An unlimited supply of clients for the non-government organizations, the so-called nonprofits. And if you believe they're nonprofits, then I'm going to convince you that the, uh, the earth is a big rectangle. It's madness. And what are the consequences for the politicians who thumb their nose at standing laws that, according to the 9-11 Commission, were essential to protect America and Americans against terrorism. The consequences? There are none. There are none. There are no consequences for the politicians. If you want to understand where we've gone, Abraham Lincoln described our government as a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Yes, the people with money today. The people with influence. And the rest of us peons, too bad. Too bad. I never, ever thought I would see America turn into what it is turning into. And the lunacy is how many Americans are being deceived. I was watching Fox yesterday, Fox News. Jennifer Griffin was on. Normally, I like her reports. I'm not sure who she spoke to or if she did any research. But she did this very sympathetic story about women who've come to the United States because of the way Biden turned tail and ran like a coward out of Afghanistan leaving behind tens of billions of dollars of hardware, and the Democrats were running around saying, best president of all time. Really? I'm a registered Democrat, and it sickens me when I hear that kind of a lie. That is a big, fat, juicy lie, okay? You look at Afghanistan, and it led to everything else that's happening because our adversaries know that we've become a paper tiger. We've got a senile, incompetent, and I might argue, of questionable ethics given Hunter Biden and all that goes with that, they know they can get away with murder, literally, which is what Putin did in the Ukraine. So here we go. We, We have everything going on, everything flowing from what Biden did. And what are the consequences for Joe Biden and those people who are making money off of these open borders? There are no consequences except the money is rolling in. The money is rolling in. And no one is doing anything to stop it. And Jennifer Griffith comes on and starts talking about these women who were able to get out of Afghanistan, and so many could not, including American citizens, who were trapped there because of Joe Biden, this very successful president. And the story was about this young lady who has burns on her face. She has a scarred face. The house she was in was bombed. She barely got out with her life. Her sisters are still there. They're not allowed to go to school. They're not allowed to 
to go out at night. They can't have jobs. You know, the Taliban is in control, contrary to the promises and assurances of the Joe Biden administration that we would work with them. Sure thing, we're going to work with them. Uh huh. So the terrorist group that we disbanded at the cost of so many American lives and so many other lives and so much money, they're back bigger than life. And we've been told by our intelligence people that within a year they may well be so constituted that they will be able to launch terror attacks inside the United States of America. And we're told this is a great president that we have. My goodness gracious, imagine if he wasn't so great. But what bothered me about the story was that Jennifer Griffin said that these women who were able to get out of Afghanistan were paroled into the United States for only one year, and when the year is up, they're going to be forced to go back to Afghanistan unless we can put them on a pathway to United States citizenship. Folks, it took my breath away. It absolutely took my breath away. I was astonished. Maybe they should have reached out to Tom Holman to, to know what they're talking about. I've been involved with these cases during my 30 years. Yes, they were paroled in for a year. And you know what the solution is? They can extend their period of parole. They can do it indefinitely. They could be living here in a parole status for the next 20 years with permission to work and everything else. There's nothing that says that after a year, if you don't give them citizenship, we're going to deport them and we're going to send them to their death. It's a lie. This is why we keep hearing comprehensive immigration reform. We need to provide a pathway to U.S. citizenship. By the way, if we did it for the probably 30 million or 40 million who are here, they could then bring in all of their minor children and their spouses. We could be looking at an influx of, I don't know, how many tens of millions of illegal alien children who would immediately have to go to school. The the country would implode. Before a a, a journalist so-called gets on the air and makes statements they need, to do their homework. We put aliens under the temporary protected status from El Salvador and other countries when there's earthquakes, wars, tsunamis, you name it, and we extend it. Very often I question why we're extending it, especially when the aliens involved are needed back home to rebuild their country. They're putting roofs on houses in in Queens, New York. They could be putting roofs on houses in El Salvador, you know? But that's for another day. But the point is, It's not as though it's a one-time parole status, and when it's up, it's up, and we either deport them or we make them citizens. It's a false choice. But this pushes the narrative. And people watching Fox, watching Jennifer, say, oh, wow, I guess we have no choice but to give them citizenship. We probably should be doing that with everybody, the immigration delivery system. No, that's not what we should be doing. If, they, if we decide we want to give them lawful status and ultimately citizenship, that's fine. But don't make the case that if we don't do it, they're going to go home and be imprisoned in their homes or executed or raped or tortured. They can stay here indefinitely. All we need to do is extend the parole status. Why are we not being told the truth by people that we depend on for the news? It's upsetting. It's infuriating. You're supposed to be a journalist and tell the facts. And if you don't have the facts, zip your mouth. Just like people will say, and the journalist sitting in front of the cameras, well, if these folks have been living here for at least five years, why wouldn't we let them stay? Well, first of all, how do you know how long an illegal alien has been living here if there's no capacity to interview these millions? Forget about a field investigation. And when you run the border, when you enter without inspection, 
when you stow away on a ship, when you run the Canadian border, there's no record of entry. So we don't know how long you've been here. And they will put down whatever they need to say. So you could have aliens coming into the United States eight months from now. And in the space that says, when did you arrive? They could say, we came January of 2020. Who's going to argue? How are you going to prove they didn't come in 2020 if you can't do an outside investigation and you can't even do an interview? So the adjudicator who has to move the paper because the backlog will be a tsunami of paper will have no choice but to approve the application, which brings us back to immigration fraud, which was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key method of entry and embedding to terrorists. So we're going to overwhelm the system, and there we go. So I, I wish that these reporters would do their homework before they go on camera and spread misinformation, misleading information, dangerous information. But that's what happened. Now, maybe it was a mistake. I'll give Jennifer the benefit of a doubt today. But how many times has this continued to happen? I remember one day we were listening to Stuart Varney on the business channel at Fox. This was years ago. And he made the statement that if only they would legalize all of these immigrants, the economy would take off. I was on a radio show the following morning, and the host asked me, um, did you see Stuart Varney? I said, yes, I did. He said, was Stuart Varney right, that if we pass comprehensive reform, the economy would take off? I said, absolutely. He said, you mean that, Mike? I said, yes, just like a canary that escapes from its cage and the window is open, it flies out the window and takes off never to be seen again. How does it help the U.S. economy to put Americans in direct competition with millions of illegal aliens whose identities can't be verified and whose very first breath of air in this country was in violation of our laws because they weren't supposed to be here in the first place. Because business loves it. How many times have you heard the newscasters or the teleprompter readers, as I call them, talk about, oh, it's so unfair for people working at Burger King and the fast food restaurants to get $15 an hour. That's 30000 a year. So I ask you, can you live on 30000 a year? If people are working here, presumably legally, then the amount of money they earn should at least allow them luxuries, you know, like turning on the lights when they come home at night after a day at work. The problem we have, folks, is that both sides of the aisle see a benefit, huge financial benefit to opening up our borders and trampling on the opportunities for their fellow American citizens. These are immoral individuals immoral individuals. And then there was a, another report, I hate to say it, Fox News, because I generally tend to watch Fox more than the other networks. We need to be able to fire these civil servants. They don't need a union. That's wrong for them to have unions, and that's why they're getting all these IRS agents, because this is going to make the Treasury Union happy. I fear that the reason that they're hiring all these Treasury agents or, or IRS agents is to keep Americans in line as an act of intimidation. I doubt it has much to do with the unions, but, but it's such an anti-union bias. And, and, and why did unions develop? And unions became just as corrupt as everybody else. Power corrupts absolute power, corrupts absolutely. Unions and regulations about safety and the environment came about because people were crooked. And you have the Love Canal, you have all kinds of pollution. You have Volkswagen with their emissions business and 
It turns out that Chrysler Fiat or Fiat Chrysler did the same exact thing. Uh, it, it's because people are corrupt. You had that with, with the Boeing 737. The CEO of, of, of Boeing wanted to keep the jets flying even after President Trump demanded that they ground the planes because two of them had crashed and, and, and dug holes in the ground and, and killed hundreds of innocent people who were on board those airplanes. If all you got to do is think about money at all costs, even where it costs people their lives, then there's a problem. We're an imperfect species, but we need to be honest with one another. Both parties very often work in close coordination. I, I compare some of the fighting you see on Capitol Hill with the fights you see between wrestlers. Everyone thinks they're killing each other, but they're really spritzing ketchup on their faces and going out to dinner afterwards. Please understand the problem. Our immigration laws are not about race or religion or ethnicity. It's about protecting national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. What in the world is wrong with that? And so now the border states are inundated. Now, these are the southern border states. I like to make the point. And again, breathlessly, what are we hearing from the news media? Now every state is a border state because they've moved them everywhere. Well, I've been using that expression, every state is a border state, since before 9-11. Now, why did I say every state is a border state? Is it simply because they spread out across the country? Well, to an extent, they do. We have a huge population of um, illegal aliens from Central America living in Brooklyn. We also have illegal aliens who come from Pakistan and China and the Dominican Republic. Jamaica, and they don't generally run the Mexican border. Some are coming across that border, but the majority of these aliens come to international airports, perhaps with counterfeit visas, counterfeit documents, or they fly into Puerto Rico from the Dominican Republic, and a flight from Puerto Rico uh, to New York is a domestic flight. So they, they've cleared immigration. Because once they're in Puerto Rico, if they have a bogus birth certificate or, or some other equivalent document, they can get on an airplane, fly to New York, they're here illegally. They didn't run the Mexican border. So when you look at the different ways aliens can enter the United States, to sum it up, any state that lies along the northern border, the southern border, has access to a 95,000 miles of coastline or has an international airport or all border states. We had a bunch of Chinese uh, aliens on a, on a boat that ran aground in the Rockaways back in the early uh, 1990s. Uh, the Golden Venture. We called it the Golden Misadventure, perhaps the mid-1990s. And I, I document that in one of my, a number of my articles. They didn't come across the Mexican border. They, they washed up on the beach in the Rockaways here in New York. So it's not just the Mexican border. But all you're hearing is we need more Border Patrol agents. What would Border Patrol agents do with those aliens on the Golden Venture? The Border Patrol didn't come out. It was ICE agents who came out. When aliens commit visa fraud. It's immigration agents, not the Border Patrol, that conducts the investigation. When aliens marry United States citizens just to get a green card, the Border Patrol has nothing to do with that. That's done by ICE agents. And I like to make the point that any alien who's determined to get into the country one way or the other, by hook or by crook, as my mom used to say, they will succeed. So the trick is once they get into the country, what are we doing? Well, sanctuary cities are harboring and shielding them in violation of law without consequences. So now we get to Mayor Eric Adams, who is screaming like a scalded cat 
Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, has taken to the tactic of putting lots of illegal aliens on buses that his people are apprehending along the Mexican border and shipping them to New York, shipping them to Washington, D.C. These are sanctuary cities. If you're a sanctuary city and you're harboring and shielding illegal aliens in apparent violation of Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324, it must be presumed that you love these people and you want them all to come here. Otherwise, why would you shield them and not call immigration and say, look, you need to take these people? I can remember a time when the police would call us up, and I, we had friends in every precinct, and we had agents who were specialists in various ethnic groups. And no, that is not bigotry. That's just good investigative technique, and we all had informants in those communities. Uh, I had informants in the Jamaican community, and as you might expect, uh, I worked very closely with the Israeli National Police because in 1976... I was given my first fraud case, an Israeli who came in with an altered visa. It turned out, I played a hunch, he was actually with the PLO. He was here to get money so they could blow up an oil refinery in Israel. Working with the Israelis and the FBI, we prevented a very serious terrorist attack that could have resulted in massive casualties and the destruction of an oil refinery. As you might imagine, they had a wonderful working relationship with the Israeli National Police. So... You had people from every law enforcement entity in the world, the FBI, DEA, ATF, city police, state police, you name it, they came to us, and they knew which of our agents had informants or access to various ethnic immigrant communities that they were trying to solve a murder or a robbery or a rape or, or some serious crime. And it was a great opportunity for synergy. You know, the, the sum of the parts is greater than if you take the parts individually. And we worked very closely. And you would have a cop call up and he'd say, hey, Mike, you're not going to believe it. We pulled over a car. Believe it or not, the guy had a Volkswagen with eight people stuffed into the Volkswagen. We pulled him over on the Belt Parkway in Brooklyn. The driver's illegal, and we think that all the passengers are, and they're all drunk out of their mind. So my partner and I would grab a van. We would drive down to the precinct. They were the driver, and, and I would drop a detainer on the driver. And we would lock up the other illegal aliens who were crammed into the back of the, of the vehicle, and we would put them before an immigration judge, and we would deport them. And everybody was happy, and nobody complained. Now, all of a sudden, oh, my God, what are you doing to the immigrants? We're not doing anything to the immigrants. And if you look at the most likely victims of transnational criminals, it's the members of the ethnic immigrant communities where they live, not just from Latin America. I don't care if it's the Jamaican community. I don't care if it's the Israeli community. I don't care if it's the Chinese community, because the bad guys live within the communities that most resemble who they are. It's a good way to hide. You know, they don't stick out like a sore thumb. They're familiar with the food, the customs, um, the language. If they want women, they're there. They can communicate. Everyone is happy. They're all singing Kumbaya until they commit crimes against the people in those communities. Who are we really protecting when we don't go after these people? We're protecting the criminals and who's getting hurt the people who come here legally and hope to share the American dream that we told them is waiting for them. It's insane. It's absolute insanity. So you have Mayor Adams screaming that, my God, Governor Abbott is sending us illegal aliens. We can't deal with this. You can't deal with it? According to the Pew um, Research Center, back in 2016, I believe it was, New York had more illegal aliens than any other city in the entire United States of America. What do you think of that? You want to talk about 
illegal alien border communities, New York City had over 1.1 million, according to Pew. I think that's a very low number. I think it's much higher. But the point of it is New York was recognized by every agency that did demographics. New York was number one for the most illegal aliens going back decades, and we're not on the Mexican border. In fact, El Chapo Guzman, the notorious Mexican drug cartel leader, most violent and pernicious criminal they probably had in quite some time, was prosecuted in Brooklyn, the Eastern District of New York, because he turned Queens, New York, Jackson Heights, into his hub for narcotics trafficking activities for the entire East Coast of the United States. Because we're a sanctuary city and we have access to the transportation industry, you know, through airports and seaports and the train system, the subways, so you could easily move around New York very quietly, very covertly. Um, so, so what is Adam screaming about? So the analogy that I made in my article, I hope you'll read it after my program and share it with as many of your friends and neighbors and so forth as you can as, as summer is winding down and you're getting ready for Labor Day and the barbecues. Share this stuff. Let's have honest conversations with our neighbors, our friends, our family, our cohorts at work, okay? What is he screaming about? We have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of illegal aliens in New York, and Abbott sends us a couple thousand aliens, and... <laughs> Mayor Adams is having a nervous breakdown. Oh, my God, he's overwhelming New York. Yeah, you're overwhelming New York with your fertilizer, Mayor. Let's get serious. This is like complaining about somebody who dumps a truckload of sand on the beach. Oh, my God, what do we do with all the sand? Well, how big is the beach? Well, it runs about 30 miles. And yeah, and, and one truckload is going to ruin the beach, isn't it? Are you kidding me? And then Adams turns around and refers to these illegal aliens as asylum seekers. You've got to love the terminology. The language is mind-boggling. It's stupefying. Yes, they apply for asylum knowing damn well there's no way in, 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 in God's green earth that they're going to qualify for asylum. Political asylum is not because I live in a country where there's so much crime. Well, wait a moment. By that standard, I guess if you're from New York or Chicago, San Francisco, La we should be able to get asylum. Hmm, you're going to have to talk to a lawyer, I think. All kidding aside, that's not a ground for asylum. Political asylum means that because of your race, religion, ethnicity, tribal affiliation, political belief, or other such factor, you face persecution or worse in your home country so that your life is on the line and you say, please take me in because if I go back home, they're going to kill us. They're going to imprison us. They're going to torture us. The Tsarnaev brothers who did the Boston Marathon, their family got asylum from Russia. Can't go back to Russia. And as soon as we gave them asylum, of course, they went back to Russia, right? Think about that beauty. So we know this is a sham. But they also figured it out between the lawyers and the non-government organizations and this wonderful Biden administration, who I'm sure poaching them from the sidelines, as they probably are, don't worry about a thing. Just apply for asylum. But I don't qualify. Don't worry about it. But, but, but what happened? Don't worry about it. So, so let's look at what the 9-11 Commission staff report had to say about this whole business about applying for asylum and how this figures in to terrorism, because there's a nexus, folks. So first of all, this is the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. This is the first paragraph of the preface. This lays out why 
the commission, the, the commission staff, that is to say the federal agents and the government lawyers who were assigned to the 9-11 Commission, wrote this report. And it starts out by saying this. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa. See, it's not just the Mexican border, folks. In gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. How could they not consider that? Who are they hiring? Brain-dead people? But the sentence or the paragraph ends by saying that we believe for the reasons we discussed in the following pages that it must be made one. In other words, a very important tool in the counterterrorism arsenal, right? And, and then this is really amazing. Again, the same report. Once terrorists entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. Guess who investigates immigration fraud, ladies and gentlemen? It's not the Border Patrol. It's ICE. Immigration fraud. I know. I did those investigations. That's how I uncovered a terror plot in Israel. So the next, their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. There we go. Bogus political asylum stories. Mahmoud Abu Alim involved in both, in both the World Trade Center landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. And they go on and on and on. And then they talk about how two of these individuals were here illegally out of status and were able to rent the truck and plant explosives in the truck and, and, and set off the bomb in, at the World Trade Center in 93. Two illegal aliens. And after that, they said we shouldn't be giving licenses to illegal aliens. Guess what? We're doing it again. And if you live in a state that doesn't do that, it doesn't matter. Because I can take my New York license and come to your state and rent the truck, and we're off to the races. People from Illinois and California and Pennsylvania and New Jersey can do the very same thing. They can rent the vehicle, come to your state, wherever you are, and place you at risk. Okay? And then they make this point. Although there's evidence that some land and sea border uh, entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering an airport. They subverted it by committing fraud. Who handles that? Not the Border Patrol, but ICE. When was the last time you heard any newscaster, anybody, talk about hiring ICE agents? Never. The other day during the discussion on, I believe it was the Five at Fox News, one of the people said, all these IRS agents but no Border Patrol agents. Why not talk about the need for ICE agents? Is it incompetence or is it willful? I don't know. Let them answer that question. I was an INS agent. I spent half my 30-year career on the drug task force. I spent four years of DEA intelligence as an immigration agent. It's critical, and we don't have any. And they've been neutered by this administration. And the 9-11 Commission staff report goes on and says, thus abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activities. Border Patrol doesn't do interior enforcement. They enforce the laws at the border. Who's doing interior enforcement? Nobody. So once the alien gets past the border, they are home free and we are at risk. Page 61 says this, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorism. 
On July to, in July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials they need to aid tra- terrorist travel. Again, who does that? ICE agents. Finally, finally, page 98. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status. That's DACA, by the way, folks. Um, Achieving temporary worker status or applying for asylum, again, after entering. The act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the aliens to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists, terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. So that is the realm, the domain of ICE agents. When was the last time you heard anybody talking about ICE? Never. This is the big lie. This is the big scam. And, and that's the problem. So Eric Adams is running around calling these people political asylum applicants, right, to give them a sense of legitimacy in the minds of the public. Oh, these poor people want asylum. And immediately it conjures up images of the Holocaust and people fleeing persecution from around the world. I'm sorry, that's not what this is, but it's, again, the lie. And by the way, with all the screaming about all the aliens being driven to New York in buses, why hasn't Adams talked about the lack of immigration enforcement and the policies of the Biden administration that have encouraged, aided, and embedded and induced a human tsunami of unprecedented proportions to head to the border of the United States? Why doesn't he talk about the midnight flights into Westchester County Airport, into Stewart Air Force Base? probably into LaGuardia and Kennedy International Airports here in New York City. Not a word about Biden. It's all about the Republican governor. And we're going to send a busload of New Yorkers to campaign against the Republican governor. Why don't you campaign against Biden, who really did this to us? The lies and the hypocrisy are beyond tolerance. I don't even know where to begin. And I made the point that conferring this notion of legitimacy on bogus applicants for political asylum is not much different from describing a person who is on welfare without a job and calling that person an aspiring millionaire. How could you be an aspiring millionaire, you might ask, if you have no job and no means of support? It's easy. If that person buys a lottery ticket, we now refer to them as an aspiring millionaire. Wow. Imagine your daughter comes home with a date, the guy looks disheveled, and you say, where, where did you find this guy? Oh, on the Internet. And, and, and what does he do? He's an aspiring millionaire. Really? And where does he work? Oh, he doesn't work, but he just bought a lottery ticket. Boy, I can see Mama Bear and Papa Bear real happy with that situation. Couldn't you? The words matter. And the problem here is that this isn't a minor issue, and it's not a joke. We are being left vulnerable. We know that Iran is rushing to make nuclear weapons. We know that 
I'm sorry, Iran is rushing to make nuclear weapons. We know what China has been doing with fentanyl. Now they're disguising fentanyl in what looks like candy for children. If this isn't chemical warfare, I don't know what a chemical warfare looks like. And no one has the guts to stand up and say enough because how many of our politicians have been getting money from China and Iran and these other countries? Betsy DeVos, I've mentioned this before, when she was Secretary of Education for Trump, opened an investigation where they found at least $6 billion in money that was not reported that went to universities across the country from China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and other countries that really aren't our friends. And, of course, that had to be shut down. This is all about the bribes that we normally think of as campaign contributions. Well, that's Orwellian for bribe. We have the best government money can buy, and we have a mayor in New York who's screaming about a couple of busloads of illegal aliens while the sanctuary policies have enticed illegal aliens from the four corners of the earth to head for America, essentially firing the starter's pistol for those aspiring illegal aliens from around the world. It's time we had the truth, and it's time the news reporters acted as journalists and either did their homework and did research before they make statements in front of the cameras or uh, don't make the statement if you can't back it up. I was taught that by my parents when I was a teenager. So this notion that we have to give people a pathway to citizenship where they're going to go home to be executed is as bogus as the Biden administration. Why is this happening to us? God only knows. But I do find it interesting that the Center for Disease Control, with the election around the corner, suddenly saying, yes, you're right, uh, we screwed up. And if you had said that on Facebook or Twitter just six, eight months ago, they would have attacked you. Now the director of the CDC is saying that? Seriously? And Bill Maher is out there saying we need to be able to question these people? Well, he's right, but why isn't he questioning anybody about climate change? Because there again, what we have, I believe, is lots of misinformation enabling lots of unscrupulous people to make tons of money at the expense of America and Americans. <clears throat> That's why I always make the point that democracy spectator sports and the most important thing we can do is have fact-based discussions with our friends and neighbors and think about the right questions to ask because, as Voltaire said, you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport, folks. Get involved. Hope you'll join me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Meanwhile, please send the link to the podcast of this show and my articles at front page to as many of your friends as possible and become part of what I like to call my bucket brigade of food. Be well. Be well.